you have a Bible with you, the passage is going to be on the screen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, those who are in our uh, Sunday school class over in the other building, uh, we have just started this morning, Paul's letter to the Philippians. And so this is going to sound like part B, <laughs> because Paul, thank you, Lord, has the habit of repeating himself. Have you ever heard, had to hear something more than once <laughs> to, get, to get what was being said? I, th I think we all have had the necessity of being, having things repeated and repeated and repeated. And finally, oh, now I get it. And so here we are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And the reason we read that large segment from the book of Acts was to give us the what was the environment of the Philippian church, of the city of Philippi, the environment of the Thessalonian church? They were in a hostile environment. Everything about the Roman Mediterranean world, honestly, folks, would probably have to go to somewhere deep in some truly animist pagan region in Africa or a, a very, very, very Hindu area in India to even begin to get some sense of the level of wickedness. They knew nothing of good gods. They knew nothing of anything but how can we how can we possibly survive and the whole point of greek and then roman civilization was creating an environment where people could in some way survive and eat and uh have some sort of legal protection in the roman world they had roman citizens if you're a roman citizen just as we saw with the apostle paul and silas both romans they had certain protections if you were not a roman citizen and you had to be born into it or buy that status, which was expensive, you had no legal protection. That is why when both Paul and Peter defied the command from the emperor, you will worship me, and they both said no, Paul got his head chopped off because he was a Roman citizen. Peter got crucified for the same offense because he was not a Roman citizen. There was law for Roman citizens, and if you were below that, it was whatever the authorities wanted to do to you. But if you were a Roman citizen, you were exempted from crucifixion. But it was an entirely wicked, wicked, wicked environment. The concept of mercy was absent. The concept of grace, of being kind, was absent. In fact, it was fought against. And we have that in our world today. Just to remind you of a testimony, a fellow who was here about six weeks ago, Kemper Crab, that we gave the whole service over to, one of his testimonies that he gave to us about four years before that. He, was, he established ministry there in Calcutta. That was the first place where he established ministry after retiring as a Texas football coach. Going to India, he sets up orphanages. He's rescuing untouchable children. He's rescuing children. He's there in Calcutta, about a three-year-old girl there in the gutter. He goes up and picks her up. He's going to take her to an orphanage. And a Hindu Brahmin priest sees what he's about to do 
and he charges up, pulls out his sword, and takes that little girl's head right off. How dare this man defy the Hindu system? She's supposed to suffer. That's karma. Hinduism forbids kindness. It forbids aid. And he's holding this carcass in his hands. And he pointed at that Hindu Brahmin priest and he said, you are going where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And then two unexpected things happened. That man fell dead right now. And then Jesus gave to Kemper a vision of himself, Jesus, holding that little girl on his lap. The kind God bringing that girl home. That's the, that's the big difference. The God who discloses Himself to us in this book, in the Bible, this is His Word, is a God who is merciful, who is kind, who is gracious, who loves the world no I, I keep repeating that. I know every Sunday I'm saying this stuff, folks. We need to know it. We need to know it. The world knows nothing of any other God that is like that. And so as we read in the Acts narrative, having been ordered away from Philippi, they came to Thessalonica. And the Lord incites them to start a, to preach the gospel there. And what an amazing testimony this is. Chapter 1, verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're writing this letter. They, have, they will have left Thessal Thessalonica. This is a few years probably, maybe just a few months, probably a few years later, not many years. By the way, 1 Thessalonians or Galatians or James were the, fir the first books of the New Testament to be written. We're not sure which. So this is written early in the Christian ministry experience. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians where are you located? Well, they're located in Thessalonica. No. That's really not just even secondary. That's tertiary. That's their, their real place of residence is what? In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This cannot be overemphasized. It cannot be overstated. You Authentic believer, authentic follower, authentic actual saint. Dwell in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your environment. He governs every bit of your life experience. Just as our brother DJ gave testimony, this event happened, which was a good event. It was an answer to prayer. It wasn't done exactly the way he expected. And so he started, and then God said, and he caught his own spirit, rebuked himself, 
and responded in the power of the Holy Spirit in the right way with thanksgiving, how often does God answer your prayer the way you expected him to answer it? (laughs) Oh, he's got a much broader imagination than we do. Why would he settle for our, our ideas? Why would he settle for that? We are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, sending out the apostles. And I will be with, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. He is with me, he is with me, he is with me. We heard the testimony. Well, I repeated the testimony for you a couple of Sundays ago from Seton Lee as he's there in Cambodia and they're leading him to a cell block with 155 men in it. And he's being told when you get when we shove you in there, there are five tattooed men that are going to come at you and their job is to beat you up. And as he's being led to that cell block, God is jamming into his brain. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will be with you. And they shoved him in that door, slammed it behind him. And the five tattooed men who are keep discipline amongst the, all of those men stand up. They're coming at him to beat him up. And suddenly they stop. And every eye turns to him. They're just staring and staring. And he sees tears falling down faces. Finally, he says, why are you staring at me? And after a moment of silence, one of the tattooed men says, are you an angel? No, I am a human. Then why are you radiating light? Because my good God, who is the God of God, has sent his angels to protect me. Oh, angels are all bad. Well, they know no angels except the fallen kind called demons. And he says, oh, no, you are you're familiar with the wrong kind of angels. These are the good angels who who serve God's people at God's command. And then he goes on and explains the gospel and two of those five tattooed men immediately become Christians and half the rest of the men in the room, 150, turn to Christ. And within 10 days, they're getting him out of that cell because he has turned that prison upside down. Just like Paul and Silas and Timothy, there was an earthquake. (laughs) God's fingerprints. Why did... Seton's environment wasn't that jail. It wasn't the threats. It was God's promise. It was God's presence. And God demonstrated his presence in the fullness of his promises. In the life experience of Seton Lee. And he, that is for every one of us. You're in Thessalonica. Oh, that's secondary. You're in God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why Paul is incessant. We are in him, in him, in him, in Christ, in Christ, in God, the father, in God, the son, in the Holy Spirit. We're to walk in the spirit. Not th- He's there. He is our true environment. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, provision. 
gift after gift after gift. The same word translated grace is another context translated gift. Gift after gift after gift after gift after gift comes to us from our God. Our redemption was a gift. What were we? We were as unqualified, as disqualified as that little untouchable girl was in the eyes of that Hindu Brahmin priest there in India. She deserves the suffering she's enduring. It's only right. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what is righteous? You know what is truly just for the fallen human? That we should all go to the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And it would never end because so vile are we left to ourselves before the holy God that we could never pay off our sin debt. But God so loved the world. God so loved us fallen as unlike him as we could possibly be creatures that he sent his only begotten son. The son of that's the heir of all things. That's what that phrase means. He sent the heir of all things. The one the son of his love. He sent him to pay sins penalty for us. And because of the nature of his person and his value in heaven's eyes, he could do for the entire human race what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so Jesus from the cross says, it is finished, it's paid in full. I just paid off the sin debt of the human race. And so we can experience a welcome, a free, glad welcome in the presence of the holy God because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Literally, I, I cannot overemphasize the gladness of the welcome that we have with God. He's not holding his nose. No, 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 no. We smell wonderful to him. That's what he did. Grace to you and peace. This is the realm you now walk in. The same God that redeemed you is present with you now. It doesn't stop there. And then, okay, well, we'll check in when you come to heaven to see how... No, He is present with us. He is our shepherd. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. What incites us to prayer? What makes us glad to go to prayer for you? We remember your response to the Gospel. We remember your work of faith. You became people who were consistent trusters, consistent believers. The same promise that you believed that what brought you into the kingdom, you continued to walk in His promises. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, you became servants of what a completely against the grain of the culture you were raised in, you became servants of one another. <coughs> your work of faith, your labor of love, and you didn't just, you labored at it. You made it a de definite, intentional thing. How can I and who can I love today? And they looked for opportunities, and then when they had them, they stepped into them. 
remembering your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. All of my hope, all of my expectation is in Him. I can walk through this world completely undisappointed. I don't expect anything from this world. <laughs> but I, my expectation is all in God. Both in the immediate sense, but especially in the, future, in the sense of my future, my inter- eternity. I remember your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. You, in the same way that Kemper Crab saw this little girl dirty, forsaken by her own family. That's why she was there in the gutter. Her own family had walked away from her, or may have all been dead. There she is. And what did Kemper do? Kemper walked up and picked this reject up to take her. To rescue. He didn't have to do that. Nobody else was doing that. He did it. He chose to do it. You aren't. Oh man. You know. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking unrighteously. On behalf of God. You know I put this gospel promise out there. That whoever, whoever believes can. Oh man. I didn't. I wasn't expecting any of that guy Mark. Oh, oh man, I went and said everybody and I should have been a little more select. No, not, no, 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 no. God so loved the world. Folks, in Bible terminology, he just said, I love the stinkiest. I love the worst. Uh, again, another beautiful illustration of this is Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. Oh man, you want to talk about a wicked deliberately wicked man and here we see how the lord pursued him pursued him pursued him even to putting him out with the sh- the sheep and the cattle for seven years so he had learned <laughs> but that was an act of mercy and when he returned his sense to he became a worshiper of the god that put him out with the sheep and the sh- cattle Because that was a lesson he needed so that he would cast himself on the mercy and grace of that God. And now I worship the one who governs amongst the hosts of heaven, the inhabitants of the earth, whose hand cannot be restrained. And by the way, that's Daniel chapter 4, and that is a proclamation to the entire Babylonian Empire. That's a proclamation that everybody read. If the emperor needs mercy, if, the, if this known wicked man can find a welcome, hey, maybe I can find a welcome. Knowing, beloved, your selection, your choice, your election by God, he picked you up in his arms and carried you home. 
for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. I just love the fact that when we speak the gospel, what's our responsibility? I'm trying to remember who it was. One of the old Puritans that made the statement when he preached. Somebody came up to him was just, you know, uh, all over him with what a great message. He says, listen to me. This is Donald Gray Barnhouse. <laughs> Not a Puritan. I speak to the cubic foot of air in front of my mouth. From there on, it's all God's responsibility. <laughs> you speak words in H-E-B or Walmart. You're talking to somebody. You're sharing the gospel. You, you're saying words. God is right there. Jesus is right there taking those words and giving understanding and light to people. He is there. Again, James chapter 1, of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth. How was I born into God's kingdom? Because He was the aggressor. He caused me to be brought into His kingdom. And, oh, look at that. I'm in God's kingdom. How did that happen? Because He gave me, when the baby will be born to Courtney, the baby's not going to, oh, well, that was cool. I, you know, I was really, that was an enjoyable nine months. And No, the baby's going, oh, what? Does it, do, do any of us remember the nine months? <laughs> no. All of a sudden we discover, yes, the mamas remember, absolutely. But the babies don't. The babies don't. Their first, oh, look at this in place I'm in now. I have now, I can sense a new reality. We're, that's exact, that's why we're called, that's why it's called a new birth. A new birth. You must be born, Nicodemus, from above. And there you are. Knowing, beloved, beloved brethren, your election of, by God for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake and you became followers of us and of the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction... With joy. What was? You're in a hostile environment. We were in a hostile environment. And yet you received the word with joy. Of the Holy Spirit. So that you became examples. You became examples to all Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia is on the north. Achaia is Greece proper. It's the southern part. It's the part that has the, the fancy schmancy, uh, we are the cultured Greeks reputation. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, even outside of that whole realm, your reputation has gone out. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols 
and to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. We keep going to these towns and cities and we start talking to people. We're going to the town square and we start talking to people about about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they say, well, yeah, we've heard that before. These fellows from Thessalonica came. And have shared that with us. And there's, by the way, there's a congregation that's meeting over here. And everywhere we go, you've been there ahead of us. We'll take that. Wow. We are reveling. Silas and Timothy and myself are reveling in the explosive power that came out of you. We can't get anywhere with that. We can't get anywhere first now. You've been there ahead of us. Can you imagine the delight of the apostle and Silas and Timothy at the, re- the discipleship of these people that were the fruit of their ministry initially? Wow! Thank you, Lord. The res- their response and the fruit is way... Be- we know it's way beyond any, th- any of our input. This is truly a testimony to you, Lord. You are the one who have shepherded them and are giving them great fruit in Macedonia and Achaia and even the regions around. We can't be pioneer missionaries because they get there ahead of us. They did the pioneering. Wow. And Paul is so excited and it's incited to pray for them and joyful throughout his prayer. They themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. And so this is kind of a quiet testimony to us about the impact we had on you because we're seeing a much greater impact than we were ever anticipating. What manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming and he is going to settle everyone who has not entrusted themselves to him. He's going to settle their hash. He's going to set everything right. He is going to rip open the heavens. He's going to come out. I'm the most graphic passage in the entire Word of God, Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. You find it repeated in the book of Revelation. But believe me, the most graphic is Zechariah 12, when he will come out, rip open the heavens. Thus says the Lord, I will rip open the heavens over Jerusalem. This, these, all these unrepentant Jews who were in Jerusalem were about to be annihilated Surrounded by armies 92 miles in every direction. About to be annihilated and I will rip open the heavens. They will look on me whom they pierced. This is written 400 years before Jesus is born. They will look on me whom they pierced. And mourn. I will pour out on them a spirit of grace and of supplication. And they will mourn. And they will repent. And he will deliver them. And judge the nations, excuse me, 
first judge Israel gathered every Jew on planet earth that's still alive to the wilderness of sin. This is Ezekiel 28. And he will enter into judgment with them and separate the sheep from the goats. And then he will judge the nations so that about 45 days into the millennial reign of Christ, the earth will have been cleansed. Jesus is going to cleanse the world. There's more after that. We don't have time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is absolutely unrestrained. His hand cannot be restrained, Lord. And he is also your Savior. He is here with glad, gladly ready to bestow mercy and grace. If you are here this morning and you have never said, Lord, please, may I receive that forgiveness? May I receive that restoration? I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you that you are the God of glad mercy. You have done the work that enables you to forgive. You pay, your son's paid sin's penalty for us on the cross. Thank you. And right now, I want to welcome that forgiveness. I want to hold out my empty hand and say, please, Lord, nothing in my hand I bring Simply to your cross, I cling. Naked, come to you for dress. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. But you are so willing to wash. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, those of us who have already done that in the past, we thank you that you did that for us. We thank you that that glad, glad time is coming when we will see you as the apostle says here, you are coming. We wait for you to come from heaven, but when you come, you will have come forever. And you will set everything right. We thank you for that reality, that promise. Please enable us to walk in that promise, but also to walk in your present presence with us. You are the environment that we are walking in and all of who you are. No one can lay a finger on us without divine permission, just as you, just as you did with our brother Seton when he was promised that he would be beaten up, and yet instead, those who were going to beat him bowed before you. We thank you that you are just as much that same God here for us as you were there at that time for him. All praise to you and all God's people said, Amen.